Hey friends, thank you so much for joining us at the Speaking of Equity podcast. Really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen. You're now tuning into the Leaders Series and we're uh, getting a great sneak peek into the thinking of our leaders in terms of our equity and inclusion work uh, and their own perspectives as it relates to those topics. So uh, enjoy and we hope to see you soon. Hello, uh, welcome to the Speaking of Equity podcast. Uh, where we believe all conversations about education are conversations about equity. Uh, I'm Cornelius Godfrey, your host, and I am privileged to be joined uh, by a phenomenal educator who I've um, had a, a great joy to get to know in the time that I've been in Troy District, not only as a co-worker, but also as the principal of my two big children. Uh, we're welcome joined with us, uh, Shari Paulus, the principal at Hill Elementary. Thank Thanks you for, for having me. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm glad. I, I uh, um, am so glad that you took some time uh, to chat with us. This is um, going to be a great conversation, but very informal. So we want people to know um, how our leaders are thinking uh, about equity. Uh, it's really important to me uh, that, you know, employees in Troy, community members, parents, uh, all of the above are able to see that, you know, there are some people uh, at the top of their game um, considering what classrooms um, and school buildings are looking like for students and families from marginalized uh, populations. Um, and these are conversations that we're already having, right? We're talking about things that are important to us as educators. Um, and we want to share those conversations with the community. So uh, again, thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Let's get to it. Yes, yes. <laughs> so the first, first thing I want to chat about uh, in conversations about uh, equity and a lot of other educational topics, um, a lot of passion can be uh, associated, and I think all of us have a a center or a heart where that you know exudes from. So you know, my question to you is, you know, why equity? Or if someone to ask you, you know, how has equity become an important part of your practice and your thinking? You know, what's the root of you know your concerns around this area? That's a loaded question coming in hot, Cornelius, right off the bat. Um, I Equity is very personal work uh, to me. I, I have always thought about this in my educational journey, but it did not become um, a mission of mine until I birthed my firstborn. I think that realizing that she was going to be in a school system that was like mine that had not changed made me realize even more the importance of this work and the impact it would have on her life and um, my future children's life um, if we don't if we don't have these difficult conversations and if we don't work to to fix a system that that continues to be broken. Wow, and and you know I can honestly say that there are some you know similarities in in your why and my why. Um, and I think, you know, because we're both educators and parents, uh, we probably both have some similar uh, conversations, um, especially as it relates to, you know, what children notice, right? Because we 
train kids from a very early age to pick up differences, even in, you know, the way that we teach them, you know, to notice shapes and colors and sizes. Uh, sometimes those are pretty embarrassing lessons yeah. for our kids to uh, to share with others when they notice how, you know, big one of our aunts is. and mm-hmm. Lady at the grocery store. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. He has a mustache. Yes. <laughs> hey, I thought only me. All right. Yes. But, we'll <laughs> talk about it in the car. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when, when we talk about children and like their, you know, growing awareness of the differences between themselves and those around them, uh, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about, you know, that process for you um, as a young child. You know, when when did racial consciousness you know, meet with your, you know, growing mind? When did, when did it become evident that there was a distinction between you and maybe some of your classmates and your neighbors or people you saw on television? Um, I credit uh, where I am today to my parents and their desire to put my sister and I in the best schools and the best area um, and And so growing up, they did. They put us in Birmingham Public Schools and the amount of uh, the families there, uh, we were the black family at um, the school we went to. But even though that was the experience, we never spent a lot of time growing up talking about the fact that we were the black family at this elementary school. So I don't think... I thought about it much. I knew that school is where I saw white people and on the weekend is where I saw my people. So that's what I remember thinking. I remember developing these weird generalizations about black people and white people as a result of what I experienced during the school day and then what I experienced on the weekend at home. Um, And I wish that we had more conversations Um, prior to the experience that I'm going to share with you in a moment about my blackness. But I think my parents did that because they didn't want me to experience some things that they experienced. They wanted my sister and I to just um, not being different, not use that as a crutch or anything that was going to um, hold us back in any way. Well, then second grade came and uh, I think it was the Dukakis uh, Bush elections, the first one, first Bush. And we were having some debate in class about who was going to win. And it got pretty heated. Uh, Second graders are very opinionated, apparently, in the uh, political circle. And we went outside and someone said to me that I was going to vote for the caucus because I am an N-word and N-words vote that way. And that was the moment. Like That was when it felt like I always carried around that I was Black at that school for the rest of my school career in that elementary school. Um, up until that moment, I was just sorry. I mean, I might be a little bit tanner, but we never talked about it. And we just, I, I had friends, I went to friends' houses, all of those things. But that moment, that's when I carried around my, um, my blackness. And when I look back on that experience, how my teacher handled that situation um, by having us all come together. And I, um, I don't think I was in the center of a circle, but that's what it felt like, you know? felt like having the victim relive an experience. She didn't handle it very well, um, not because she didn't want to, but because she didn't know how. And so when I look back on what can we do for our teachers, what can we do so that this doesn't happen again, it is equipping 
educators with what to say when these moments happen. How can it be a teachable moment for the entire classroom without putting someone in a position of being uncomfortable? So um, I might have gotten off the little path here of what we were talking about, but that is when I remember um, really thinking about it. And that's when I started carrying it around with me. Wow. And I can, you know, picture, you know, little, little showery, you know, having the weight of an entire, you know, divided consciousness, you know, resting on those little second grade shoulders. Um, and yeah, how can we, how can we get uh, through those conversations with adults so that children can navigate those, you know, difficult times better? For me, um, I actually grew up in uh, pre-white flight Southfield. Um, so Southfield has a certain uh, connotation right now, um, but I guarantee you it looked a lot different about 38 years ago. Uh, and I can remember when we first moved to Southfield, um, you know, having friends that didn't look like me. And I remember one friend in particular um, we were really close. He lived right around the corner from me. And I can remember, um, you know, going over his house and he never really came to mind. But this distinct memory of my mom picking me up and when she kind of came in and was you know, interacting with his mom, I almost said his name. Um, I remember his mom looking at my mom in a way that you know, made me feel really uncomfortable. Like, I don't think his mom liked my mom. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't until I was older that I realized that there was a pattern that had formed through um, the, the, the decades of living in that community. Because slowly but surely, all of our white neighbors, which were the overwhelming majority when we moved into the neighborhood, started to leave. And a lot of those kids, one in particular, you know, I was really close with. Um, and then I remember as an adult hearing about, um, you know, this phenomenon of white flight and, you know, understanding that as, you know, we Black people move to a neighborhood, um, the property values invariably drop. Because people saw those as less valuable neighborhoods. Um, and slowly but surely, you know, that's exactly what, what happened. Um, and then having conversations with, um, you know, adults now and hearing their perceptions of the place that I thought was a great place to live, you know, confirms that there was this perception of and maybe still among some people who are listening to us talk now of a place that was aspirational for families like mine in the early 80s and 90s, but that was a place to escape from for a lot of our neighbors in the beginning who would no longer be our, our neighbors at the end. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we think about those times that we were children and then we think about our own children. So, um, and you touched on this earlier, and I think this is so important for us uh, to understand. And I think it's something that draws us together um, with even people who, you know, have very different experiences than us. 
help me to understand how at all uh, your thoughts on equity and inclusion might differ uh, with your roles of both a mother, but also as an educational leader? Um, I don't know if they differ. I think I know that the reason that I'm in this office as principal is that I understand that we send our black and brown children to school every day and their mothers and fathers cannot be with them and they need an advocate just like I would want for my own children. And so that is that is the reason that I'm in this office today is because I want to be that. I want people to know, parents to know that when their children are dropped off at our doors, that I am going to take care of them, that I'm going to make sure that their voices are heard. And that if something were to happen as it's happened to so many of us in the classroom, they have someone that supports them, understands them, um, and will get to the bottom of that. And so I want to be everyone's mom when I, in this office. And so that I think that they're just so connected. I don't think I can separate them um, at all. And I might fall short and I know I don't know everyone's experiences, but that is, that falls into my why of why I'm here and why I believe this equity work is so important. Um, and, and thank you so much for sharing that because I would venture to guess that any educator listening to us have this conversation right now um, has a connection with the idea of knowing how important their job is and having the, the understanding of the gravity uh, of the, the role that we play because we're also parents. And that's not to negate any educators that aren't parents, but we realize we're being entrusted with the most valuable of investments that any family can produce. And as good stewards of that investment, we really have to be um, prepared uh, to help them through difficult situations that arise. And some of those situations have everything to do with them looking, thinking, or being different than their peers. Um, and as you know, a principal, you know, you see a variety of children coming in your building and um, so wonderful that you're able to see them through the lens of a caring parent who wants to make sure that they're safe. Um, tell me some things that you think are important for parents to know uh, if they are concerned about the environments that their children are going to uh, because they might be different in some way. Maybe their uh, home language is not English. Maybe there's um, a special food that they send with their children and they're concerned about how uh, other people will relate to their kids because of that. Maybe there's um, a way of being that their children uh, walk with that you know, distinguishes them from their peers. Uh, let's, let's see if we can share you know, a little bit of comfort for those parents. I think being present is important it's hard to return to the scene of a crime. And I say that because oftentimes parents, those parents don't want to come into schools because they have experienced um, some sort of trauma themselves when it comes to school, walking into the office, talking to the principal, all of that has negative connotation to that for um, 
marginalized groups of people. And so then there's that feeling of they're the experts. I'm just going to let them do what they do. And, and, and we're not trying to come into the schools and, and, and be there, not because we don't want to, but because it's just, it's hard to return to a place that has mistreated you. Um, and so what I would say to those parents is that it's really important that you spend time connecting with the teacher and administration. The assumption that they know because they're the teacher or the educator that's not the case. They need to hear more about your home language or the food or um, the disability or whatever it is. Teachers need to know and they need to hear from you. And I know that in education, having parents there um, or having an advocate there, that matters. That That is so important to the experience that children have in the classroom. It shouldn't, but it does. And so make yourself, make your presence known. Um, there's nothing wrong with those conversa- having those conversations with the teacher and the principal and, and just being there. Um, and don't stop because you might not always be received the way that you intended the first time, but by the third or fourth, you will be more comfortable and the building that your children are in, they will be more comfortable seeing you. And so just keep, keep doing that. And it, it seems like you shouldn't have to, it seems like it should come so easy, but it doesn't. And so in this work, I think it's important that parents just remember to keep reaching out to the school, keep reaching out to um, the teachers and, and advocating for your children. Ask questions. And thank you so much for, for surfacing that element of discomfort that can sometimes exist in homes um, where the culture, um, the thinking, the abilities might be different. Uh, than those of the school we're sending our children to. And I appreciate so much because you know what I heard when you were speaking was this idea of relationships, uh, building connections and relationships. Uh, because ultimately, even if my experiences are worlds apart from yours, the degree to which we can develop a, a good connection between us um, shortens those distances between us. And now all of a sudden, even if we're not always speaking the same language. We're understanding each other from a very human place. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate having this conversation um, because what we want to do is build relationships uh, as a school community with the parents and the students and families that we serve. Thank you so much for sharing your time. Uh, and we'll see you on the next one. Thank All you. right. Thanks for having me. I'll be back. I've got more to say. <laughs> Thank you.